In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is Thomas Sunday, which is the first Sunday after the Feast of the Resurrection. And we call it Thomas Sunday because we remember um, what St. Thomas did uh, after the resurrection of Christ, when he was not present with the other disciples when they had seen him after his resurrection, and they were telling him about it. And he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And even though, if you can go back and remember all the miracles that Christ did, and you can remember all the conversations that Christ had with his disciples before his crucifixion, even predicting his crucifixion and his resurrection, and yet this was not enough for Thomas, and even for the other disciples, frankly, that they did not even believe it until after they saw his resurrection. So one, it tells us the power of the resurrection and of how it makes us to believe when we see the resurrected Lord. But it also illustrates to us how it is easy for us to doubt. It's easy for us to doubt. Even after reading the Gospels, even after seeing the power of Christ, now even in modern times, it's very easy for us to doubt. And the world actually puts so many doubts into our minds as Christians. And they tell us, who is this God that you believe in? He is invisible. You can't see him. This is a delusion. You guys are not actually believing in a God that actually exists. You have invented him. You have created him because you want to feel good about yourselves. You want to fully believe that you have some purpose and that this universe is not just this cold existence with no meaning. And so you invented a God so that you would believe in him and feel that you are going to live forever because you do not want to accept that at your death you're going to cease to exist. And this is what many atheists believe and other people as well, that we believe that there is no life after this life. And certainly if we believe this, then life is a cold, dark reality that there is no, nothing after this life for us to hope in. And here St. Thomas also had doubts. Even though we believe in God, sometimes we doubt. And so I want to speak about what are some of the reasons that we might doubt God. What are some of the reasons that we might be like St. Thomas in this instant, that even though we have been given so many indications and evidence of his existence, and that we've been given the church, and we've been given the sacraments, and we've been given the prophecies, and we've been given all the teachings of the Lord, and we've been given so many evidences that God exists and is with us in this world and is helping us, what are some of the reasons that we might still be doubting his existence? The first is that we don't know the word of God. One reason we might doubt God is because we don't know who he is. We don't know what he's actually said to us. Okay? The first part of this as related to the word of God is facing tribulation. Okay? Christ says in John 16, 33, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So if we had this knowledge, if we read the word of God, then we understand something very important, that the God that we believe in is not a God that is going to shield us from all tribulation. He is going to allow tribulation, meaning we are going to experience tribulation, and this in itself is not a reason to not believe in God. And yet this is the first and foremost reason why atheists do not believe in God. It is because there is suffering in the world. And they tell themselves, if there is a good God that exists, then this good God would not allow suffering. And so they do not believe he exists. This is the number one reason that atheists remain atheists. But if you read in the Bible, the God himself says that he was going to allow tribulation. So we have to ask ourselves, what God are we believing in? What God are we seeking to see if he exists? If he is a God of our own creation, if he is a God of our own mind, what we believe God should be, or if a God exists, what he would be like, 
then surely maybe yes, he's going to do things differently than the true God. Because he is an invention of my mind. He is a creation of myself. I create him in my image instead of me being created in his image. And so if when he does things that don't make sense to me, I conclude that he must not exist because he doesn't operate like I do. But here God is making it clear. If we read the word of God, if any person reads the word of God and seeks to understand what he's saying, he's saying, I am God and I still allow tribulation to happen. But this is a reason why we might doubt because we ask ourselves this question, why is God allowing suffering in my life? Here he makes it very clear. You will face tribulation, but I have overcome the world. So with this knowledge, when we go through tribulation, we should not doubt the existence of God. Actually, it confirms what Christ himself has said, that we will go through tribulation. Second aspect related to the word of God is temptation. God said we will experience temptation in the world. 1 Corinthians 10.13 God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So again, we ask ourselves, when we are tempted in the world, when we, when we go through all kinds of difficult temptations and trials, here God is saying what? We are going to be tempted, but God is going to prevent us from being tempted beyond what we are able. So we cannot say, because temptation exists, and because I am tempted, I am tempted with my eyes, I'm tempted with my ears, I'm tempted with my mind, I'm tempted in all kinds of manners and ways, because these temptations exist, this does not mean that God is not present. And it does not mean that God has no power to save or to protect, but he allows us to go through temptations for a reason. He also says he provides for us a means of escape. So it is not that he is indifferent to, our, to the temptations that we face, he is that he is rescuing us from them, but we have to turn to him for rescue. Another uh, reason we might not know the word of God is related to judgment. What does God speak about judgment? In Matthew 12, 36, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. God speaks about this judgment day. There is going to be a day of judgment. And so again, for those people who believe even in God and say, you know, I don't believe there is going to be a judgment. And I don't believe there is going to be a hell. And I don't believe God could ever uh, punish someone in such a way. And I don't believe that God could do that because he is so merciful and he is so kind. Again, we ask ourselves, which God are we talking about? Are we talking about an invention of our own mind that we call God to make us feel good about ourselves, to make us feel good about our life? Or are we talking about the actual person who is God who gave us his commandments, who gave us his characteristics, who telling us what is it that we should expect to happen in order for us to live according to the way he wants us to live for our own good and for our own protection. Again, who is the God we worship? It is easy to doubt when we, don't, when we see and look around in the world and we don't see the God that we think should exist. But what about when we read the word of God and we realize who is the God that actually exists? He is the God who is revealing himself to us. Another, uh, another reason we might doubt because we are not familiar with the word of God is because of persecution. Some Christians might say, well, if God is present and God loves us and God protects us, why is he allowing me to be persecuted? Why is he allowing me to suffer because of my faith? It seems so much easier for me to just say, well, I'm not going to believe in this anymore because uh, too many people are against me. Too many people are fighting against me. In John 15, verse 20, he said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So again, do we doubt because we are not familiar with the word of God? 
in order for us to fight the doubts that we have, we have to read the, the Bible and we have to listen to sermons and we have to fill ourselves always with the Word of God so that it will counteract and fight against all of the secular messages and ungodly messages that we are listening to and seeing and, and being exposed to even involuntarily. It's not because we are necessarily seeking out these things because we choose them. They are coming to us. They are attacking us in every way, in every place, at work, at school, on TV, on the internet. No matter where we go, we are going to be attacked with messages that are going to try to convince us that God doesn't exist, that living an immoral life is fine, that, that we are invincible, that we are gods unto ourselves, that we can do anything and there are no consequences. And this is the message of the world. And the more we are immersed in this, without immersing ourselves also in the message of God, we will very gradually drift away and begin to even doubt this existence of God because we don't see Him. What we see more clearly in front of us is what I see on the internet, is what I see on the news, is what I see from other people. This is more visible to me. It's more clear to me. I hear the voices of those people much more clearly than I hear the voice of God who is silent. And so I have to go to Him. I have to go to the Word of God so that I can hear His voice speaking, so that I can understand from Him who is He and what is it that He has said. And then I will not doubt Him because I will see Him as He really is, not my own invention. The inventions that we make do not exist. The gods that we invent do not exist. And so when somebody comes and says, you know, I don't believe that God exists because He allows suffering in the world, you're right. The God that does not allow suffering in the world does not exist. This is not the God we believe. This is not the God who has revealed himself. The God who does exist is the God who allows suffering. And he is extremely compatible with the world that we see around us. There is deeper meaning behind that suffering. And I'm not going to go into all of that today. But as Christians, this is what we believe. That there is a greater purpose to what God is allowing. That he is able to turn death into life. It is not that God prevents death. This is why the resurrection is such a powerful message. Because God turns death into life, that God can take suffering and make it the means of salvation, that God can take temptation and make it the means of salvation, that God can turn judgment into a means of salvation. All of these things that we believe is greater than if God were to say, you know what, I'm going to prevent suffering. God is able to take death and to turn it into life. This is the God that we worship. What are some other reasons we might doubt? One reason we might doubt is because we don't trust in the character of God. Okay, we don't trust in, in who he is. Okay? We, we, we trust only in situations. If God heals me, or if God does something that I want, then I believe in him and I trust in him. But if God doesn't do what I want, then I say, you know what, I don't believe in this God. Because he didn't do what I wanted. I don't trust in the character of God. I only want the things that I want. And if God does it for me, great. And if God doesn't do it, then not good. I don't, I don't like it. When we can like make an analogy to this, it's kind of like when you fly in an airplane, you have to place your trust in the pilot who is flying the plane because you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea. None of us who is flying a plane, unless we are pilots, even if we're pilots, we don't have all the instruments in front of us, can understand what is happening with the plane, where we are going, what is the situation, and can take no action. We place ourselves completely in the trust of this pilot. And if we didn't have trust for the pilot, we would never get on the plane. So the same thing is with our life. We are sitting there in this plane of life and we are telling God, no, I think you should do this and this and this. Well, why are we doing that? We don't know. We don't understand. We don't know the future. We don't know why God is doing what, what he is doing. So this is one of the reasons we might doubt is because we don't trust him. 
But if we trust him, then everything else will simply fall into place. We just have patience and wait, and he will reveal what it is that he's doing in due time. It says what in Psalm 18, verse 30, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Also, we might not trust the power of God. Maybe we trust the character of God. Maybe we trust in his goodness. But we don't trust the power of God. Okay? Um, you know, everywhere we see as though there is a battle between God and the world, or between good and evil. And we think of this battle as though it's uh, who might win. Someone might win. We look at evil and we say, you know what? Evil is winning. Evil is, is conquering. There's so much evil in the world that breaks the heart when you see the kinds of things that happen in the world. And we look at these things and say, well, where is God? Okay, maybe God is there, but he, how can he be a good God and allow all of these things to be happen? We don't trust in his power. Okay, in Job 26 verse 14, it says, Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. How small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? We see God maybe in glimpses sometimes, but he says what? The thunder of his power, who can understand? The God is very powerful, but he is also a restrained God. He restrains himself. Look at what he how he restrained himself even at his own crucifixion. How he restrained himself. He could have demolished and destroyed and obliterated all those people that were causing him pain and suffering. But he chose not to. And this is when we chant the hymn of um, the only begotten uh, son on the sixth hour of Good Friday, Omonogenis. This hymn, we speak about how God demonstrated power in, in, in something that looked like weakness to us that it, he looked like weak. He looked weak on the cross, but he demonstrated what was even greater than power by this weakness because he restrained himself for the love that he had for all mankind. And so just as any parent who loves their children suffers pain to see his children go through suffering, God also suffers when he sees us suffer. And yet he allows the suffering not because he is ignorant of it, not because he is powerless, not because he doesn't care, but simply because of love. That there is a greater purpose for this suffering to allow us to ultimately be united with him, to be with him, and he doesn't want us to miss that opportunity. And this is what life is. Life is this proving ground. Life is this place where we grow. Life is a place where we are tested in fire to grow closer to God and achieve a greater union with God and so that on the day of judgment we will be with him forever. We see the power of God working even in weakness. Another reason we might doubt God is because we are separated from Him. It's one thing of knowing about God and reading verses about God and stories about God and so on, but if we ourselves do not live this life, if we do not seek Him in our actual life, if we do not live according to His commandments, then we become separated from Him. And when we are separated from Him, these stories that we read seem like fairy tales. They seem like things when people say, you know what, is it really possible that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and lived in the fish for three days? Is it really possible that there was a flood and all the animals uh, died except for the animals that Noah brought into the ark? Is it really possible that God created everything? Like we start to ask ourselves a lot of questions and we doubt the things that the Bible teaches us. Okay, just like Thomas. Okay, but when Christ came and Christ appeared to him, Thomas, what did Christ say? He said, reach your finger here and look at my hands. 
reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Christ demonstrated through his presence that all the doubts that Thomas had were unfounded, even though the resurrection was remarkable, even though the resurrection was unbelievable, even though it was not possible to believe such a thing, except that it was God himself who said that it would happen. And, and, and so here Thomas is believing when he says, what, when I see him. So same thing with us. When we are separated from God and we do not see God, it is very hard for us to believe what he says. We might try to believe. We might tell ourselves that it is correct and right for me to believe. But deep down inside, we have this, this deep doubt and wonder. Is it really possible that all of these things are true? Or maybe there's something false. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's mistaken. Maybe the church is mistaken. Maybe, maybe God didn't really do that. And we begin to wonder and think and think. Because why? Maybe I'm separated from God. Maybe, maybe I am not living according to what he has said. God does not wait for us to... Uh, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not that we, 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 we collect all of the evidence about God and then we believe and say, okay, well, this is true, and then God reveals to us everything. No, God wants us to begin to live this life of faith, and, and during and in the process of this life of faith, God reveals to us the things that we need to know and reveals to us who He is. And so sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. So we cannot be living a life of sin and expect that our minds will be clear to understand God, to understand His ways, to know what He wants us to do, to feel confident of His, of His love and of His existence and of His presence, and to feel that the Bible is true and to feel that the, what the church teaches is true if I'm living a life of sin. Because, because the means by which I believe in God is through the Holy Spirit. The means I, I am confirmed in my faith in God is through the Holy Spirit. And if I am sinning without repentance against God, that I am quenching the Spirit. And I'm preventing the Spirit from renewing my mind and from allowing me to feel confident about what it is that I believe. And instead, people seek after proof, seek after evidence after evidence. And maybe we will never find, maybe we'll never find an evidence that is so compelling and so convincing enough so that we would believe. In modern day time, if Christ himself appeared with the wounds, they would say he's an imposter. They would say this is not him. This is somebody wearing makeup. This is somebody, you know, special effects on a video, something. They would say this is not real. They would find a reason to believe that this is not real. And the same is true for us. Even if God reveals to us everything about himself, but we are not prepared to receive it because we are living in sin, then maybe I will not believe and I will continue to doubt him. Another reason that we might doubt God is because we want God to be made in our image. Like we were saying at the beginning, we ask ourselves, who is this God? He must be a God that acts like us. He must have the same set of morals that society has. That whatever society thinks is good, God must think is good. And whatever society thinks is bad, God also must think is bad. We are trying to make God as though he were like us, instead of we being like him. In Isaiah 55, 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if this is the God who is saying, coming to us and saying, I am higher than you, I'm greater than you, I don't think like you, I think in a way greater than you, just like human beings think in a way greater than ants. And the ant cannot come to the human being and say, well, uh, you know, you're illogical, you don't make sense, you should be like me, like an ant. 
And we as human beings don't, wouldn't, you know, we comprehend and understand things that no matter how many words we use to try to describe to an ant what is the things that we understand, they would never understand. It is not that God is hiding things. It's not that God is refusing to tell us things. It's that we are incapable of understanding them. We are not capable of understanding because he says his ways are higher than our ways. So just trust him. That's what he's saying. Just trust him. And if we don't think that way, if we think that God is just like one of us, that God is just another person like us that lives in heaven and acts like us and thinks like us, then when I seek to see, okay, does he actually exist? Well, I'm looking for who? I'm looking for another person, another human, essentially. And he's not another human, okay? He's not just like one of us. So, so we can't just approach him in that way. And then we don't find evidence of him because we don't find a person who operates the way that we operate. Okay, that's another big reason why we might doubt him. The last reason I'm going to speak about is because we don't see direct evidence of him. We don't see direct evidence. People want to see direct evidence. This is because we, are, we operate under the system of science. Science has become such an important part of our society that it's gone from just one of the means by which we discover truth to the only means that we can discover truth. And that's a very important distinction. Science is good. Science is very good at the realm of the physical world because the realm of the physical world is governed by the, the laws that science discovers and that science has allowed us to do all kinds of amazing things like build buildings and roads and technology, right? But that doesn't say anything for things that are not physical. But when you try to use the rules of science and apply them to God, you're going to be very, very um, disappointed. In, in what you find because God is not governed by the rules of science the way that everything else is for instance in science you must have proof but God says believe in me by faith I'm not going to give you the kind of proof that you want I'm not going to give you that definitive concrete reproducible tr truth that science wants to find uh, science is based on observation right in science, you do like experiments and you observe things and you, 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 know, you, you, like, you observe what is the result as though the result is going to be always the same. But what, is, um, what does Christ say in Luke 17? He says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Right? This is a, a completely different concept. Heaven is not just like a location. Heaven is not just like a place where we go. Heaven is being in union with God, which can happen even now, even while we are alive. Because king, the kingdom of heaven, the, the, the home of God, the place of God, the temple of God is in us. So this is what we are saying about our faith. Our faith is not trying to discover some abstract being that's far away. We are saying, I am living with him even now. So it's not based on observation. It's not based on experimentation. In science, it's all about a knowledge of facts, a knowledge of information. Whereas in, in Christianity, it's not knowledge, it's a relationship. That I have a relationship with a person. And just as I have a relationship with the person, this person has a mind. And this is very important to understand. God has a mind. God can choose to reveal or choose not to reveal. We don't go and run experiments on a person and say, you know what, if the person is going to always respond the same way every time. I mean, even your own families, even the people that are closest to you, you know that you might ask them a question one day and they might give you an answer. And you might ask them the same question another day and they might give you a different answer for reasons that are unknown to you, for reasons you don't know, because this is a person, a human, 
a person with a mind. And a mind does not respond in this kind of um, just uh, mechanical, repeatable way. There are things that affect it. There's, there's, there's reasons why we might choose something one day and not choose it a different day. And God is the same. We can't run experiments on God because God is going to give us the answers and reveal to us whatever he wants us to see and to, be, to reveal to us. Also, science is all about predictability and repeatability, right? Uh, faith is not. It's not about repeatability. It's not about predictability. We cannot predict. One person might ask God for, you know, heal me from my illness and they might be healed. Another person might ask the same thing and they're not healed. Why? We don't know. We don't know why. Just as a child going to their parent might ask them, can I have candy? And one day they might say yes and one day might say no. We don't, the child doesn't know why. The child doesn't understand the reasons of the parent, nor do we understand the reasons of God. So again, God cannot be studied by science in this way. The purpose of science is to understand and control. Why do we study science? Because we want to understand nature around us and then we want to be able to control it for our use which is fine which is good we want to control electricity we want to control the weather we want to control everything and we want to understand it for our good that's the purpose of science but the purpose of faith is not to understand and to control the purpose of faith is to surrender and to obey because we're saying that the person we are discovering is someone who is higher than us he's not an equal he's not subservient he's someone higher we are discovering a master like a, like a servant discovering a master. When you discover the master, or you're seeking this master, you're seeking to obey this master. Because if, is he, indeed, is he, a, if, if he indeed is a master, then, then there is no other uh, correct response but to obey him, but to bow down to him, but to say that, that his will is higher than our will. But this is not the way that people approach God who are trying to discover him. People try to discover him in a way that they just want to study him and they want to understand him and they want to control him. Science puffs up because the more that we are filled with knowledge of the world, the more that we feel that we have knowledge of everything and we feel that we have conquered everything and that we almost become gods ourselves because we can create, we can um, understand, we can you know, wield the powers of nature and we feel that we are God. But faith humbles because faith reminds us of our weakness. Maybe science reminds us of our strength. But faith reminds us of our weakness. It reminds us of the things that we cannot do, not the things that we can do. And finally, science is, is focused on the earthly life only, whereas faith is focused on the eternal life only. And this is why you cannot use the tenets of science to, to understand faith, and why also you should not use the tenets of faith to understand science. It is not to say that science and faith are incompatible. Our faith is compatible with science, and that's because our faith doesn't really focus on science. The goal of our faith is not science. The Bible, even though it might mention scientific things, it is not a scientific book, nor does it go into detail about them. And science also cannot understand the meaning of life. It cannot understand anything transcendent that is above this world, because it's by definition only the study of nature, not anything above nature. So this is a big reason why in the world that we doubt, people don't see direct evidence of him, and people try to study God as though they are trying to study elementary particles, or trying to understand you know, the formation of mountains, or trying to understand anything, okay, because we try to study God in this way, and God cannot be studied. Remember, He is seeking a relationship with us, not that we would study Him and understand Him, because you cannot study. It's like, a, it's like the single-celled amoeba trying to study the scientist that's looking at it in the microscope. There's no way you can understand. The scientist is the one studying the amoeba, not the amoeba is the one studying the scientist. 
right? And so for us to think that we could even possibly have that understanding of God is ridiculous. And so when we begin to be humble and we look at God in that way, that we are the ones under the microscope, not God, then we begin to see him in a different way and maybe our doubts will begin to fade, okay? Because we have to approach him the way he has asked us to approach him, not the way we think that we need to approach. So in conclusion, what are some of the reasons that we might doubt the word of God? One, we don't know the word of God. Or sorry, what are some of the reasons we might doubt God? One, we don't know the word of God. We don't know what he has said. We try to um, predict or put in the place what he says with what we think he should be saying or how we think he should be. Or we don't trust the character of God. We don't trust who he is. We try to understand everything on our own without putting trust in his character or trusting in his power. Also, we might, not, we might doubt God because we are separated from him. We are living a life of sin, and so the Holy Spirit is not working in us to understand, in, in order for us to believe. Also, we might, we might want God to be made in our image. So this God that we are seeking is not the God of the Bible. It's the God that we invent, that we think he should be, based on who I am, on what I want. And then finally, we might not b believe in him or we might doubt him because we don't see direct evidence of him. So we learn a lot from the story of St. Thomas, who was a disciple who walked with Christ for three years, who just as all the other disciples performed miracles, cast out demons, and did all these things. And yet at the end, he doubted that maybe Christ himself had power over death. And so we also sometimes doubt. And so we have to ask God to help us in our unbelief and to, and to look at ourselves and see what are some of the reasons that we doubt and to be more careful maybe in what we allow ourselves to do and what messages we allow ourselves to accept and to hear because the world is seeking to instill seeds of doubt in us in every way. And we have to fight against this and not allow this to take control of us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.